For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Presented by Pavestone and Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Got a decor project, got a reno, got a repair, got an improvement on your to-do list. Well, I'll tell you what, take it off that list and put it right on top of ours. You can be item number one if you call us with those questions because we're here to help. We'll give you tips, we'll give you advice, we'll give you a few attaboys or girls. We will coach you through this project to make sure it comes out exactly the way you want it to be and turns into your best house ever. The number here is one eight 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 Money Pit, or post your question at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, is your to-do list getting longer and longer every day? I know that mine is. The more time I have, the more I do, and the more projects I want to do. Well, we've got some tips for tackling several projects at once, and we'll show you how to save money at the same time. Plus, if you've ever installed ceramic tile, you know that one of the hassles is dealing with the adhesive that you need. Well, now there's a much simpler way to install tile, and it can be accomplished without glue and lets you grout immediately. We're going to share that tip. And is this the year that you are ready to replace leaky or drafty windows? With so many competing claims of efficiency, it can be really hard to find windows that work well and save you money. We're going to have tips on the best way to get that project done and be able to enjoy year-round energy savings. But first, we want to know what you want to know. So give us a call. Let us know what you are working on this summer weekend. We are here to lend a hand. The number here is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. All right, heading out to Kansas, where Mike is on the line. What can we do for you today? Hi, uh, my girlfriend and I purchased a house about three years ago, and when we did, we had it inspected naturally. And the inspectors told us that our roof was in pretty good condition. Um, it only had one layer. And uh, the previous homeowner said that it was about seven years old. Uh, this year, um, we've been having some leaking issues. Uh, and our we had our insurance inspector come out and inspect it. And he said that uh, really there was not a whole lot we could do, that it was just a minor leak. And he put some caulk on it and that it would be okay. Uh, that was about three, maybe four months ago. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, we've been getting all this rain and there's the leak is happening again. So I went up there and kind of looked around. Okay. And I found what I believe is the source of the leak. Um, and I noticed something kind of odd. Um, where the water is pooling up at, there's a bunch of little green granules. Um, I'm imagining that's from the previous uh, set of shingles because the shingles we have on there now are gray. So I'm not sure if our inspector was wrong and we've actually got more than one layer up there or what the reason for those those granules being there would be and if that's something that we could actually bring to our insurance 
adjusters and say, hey, you know, there's something seriously wrong here. Well, the insurance adjuster is not going to help you with a, with, a, with a defect in the construction of the house. If you have a, a leak that's caused by a storm, that's something the insurance adjuster can help you with because that's covered by your homeowner's insurance. You have a pitched roof with asphalt shingles? Mm-hmm. And in the area where it leaks, are you near any intersections of anything with that roof? My intersection, I mean, does a chimney come through there? Does a pipe come through there? Do two roofs sort of intersect together at opposing angles? Is there a space where um, the roof match, like meets up with the exterior wall of the house, anything like that? Yeah, um, it's at the back of the house toward the kitchen. And um, I'm not sure if the correct term is valley where the, the roof kind of comes together and they're all drained down is that and is that valley where the where the uh, contractor um, applied the caulk that you're calling it i'm not sure exactly where he applied it he just said that they did well look if and how old is the roof um the previous homeowner said it was about seven years and that was two years ago so now it's about nine ten years old and um he said there was one layer according to the the inspectors and the previous homeowner there's one layer so that means that the old layer was removed and the new layer was put on was a fiberglass shingle and fiberglass shingles that are about 10 years old some of them have this issue with cracking or checking and essentially they they develop fractures in them where leaks can occur. The only way to really see it is to literally be on the roof looking straight down at it. And if you see it, you'll, it'll be obvious to you. It kind of looks like a fissuring kind of pattern. But, I mean, clearly you've got a roof leak. Caulking is not the solution ever. Um, if it's in the valley, the valley would need to be taken apart and re-roofed. And one way to kind of narrow down where it is, and you may not be the person to do this, but a, a good contractor or roofer could do this, is to take a garden hose and start wetting the wetting the roof down, but starting down low and working your way up. So, for example, if I thought the valley was leaking, I might let a hose run there for an hour or two and see if I can spot a leak underneath it. But I'd be careful not to put the water up to higher than the valley so that if it did leak, I knew exactly where it was happening. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Laura in Michigan. Welcome to the Money Pit. How can we help you? Hi. Uh, well, I uh, recently removed my uh, some carpeting from my bathroom uh, floor, and uh, it was it's ceramic floor, and uh, I'm having a hard time getting some of the I think what is glue and part of the back back of the uh, carpeting on it's still on the floor not a lot but uh i want to get it up it's mainly around the edges and i thought maybe you had a a way of doing that that would uh you know take less elbow grease i guess all right so laura and you're trying to get rid of this adhesive from the carpet that was over ceramic tile which is so crazy but at least you got a nice smooth surface that you can work with to try to remove the adhesive now you know some of the things that you could work with are citrus based and there's one called citrus king mastic remover and there's actually a website you can go to citrusdepot.net and if you go to that website you can buy a trial container I want to say it's like $10 for a pint so you can just try it out and see if that'll do the trick and that's worth it. And that's a good product to use. That's not going to be, you know, stinky and it'll be good to work with. I'd say give that a try and see how that works with, with the adhesive that's from your carpet. That sounds great. I'll definitely give it a try. All right. Now we're going to talk to Bill from Illinois, who's got some questions about what's going on with the bathtub. How can we help you? Yeah, I have a, uh, it's a 28 year old uh, shower tub 
and I'm not sure if it's ceramic or fiberglass, and I have a couple of cracks in it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's an easy fix for a crack in a tub that's physically cracked. I mean, we've repaired shower pans, for example, by using fiberglass repair uh, or a fiberglass repair kit where basically you're applying um, a rosin and then you're you're impressing fiberglass sort of into the mix and then putting multiple layers of of, uh, additional rosin on top of that. But it's not a very attractive finish. And I've done this on an emergency basis where, you know, I had like a cracked shower pan. I had a, a rental apartment, for example, and I wanted to just make it stop leaking so we weren't bothering the lady below. And we did it, and it worked, but eventually I had to take it out and replace it anyway. So for a tub that's physically cracked like that, I don't have a good solution for you. Figured it would be a tough one. Yeah. I've heard of these uh, overlap coverings. Oh, the inserts. Yeah. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I think one of the companies is Bathfitter that does it. I mean, it's not a bad idea, except that what we found is that economically, the cost of a complete bathroom renovation and the cost of doing, you know, like an insert are not so far to, far apart. I mean, it is less expensive than a complete reno, but you um, are restricted to the tub you have now, obviously, and the size of that tub, which gets smaller when you put an insert into it. And if you do the renovation, you know, you might have some opportunities to uh, to improve the place, improve that space a little bit more than you could by just doing an, an insert. So it, it definitely is an option. And with the tub that you have now, though, I would suspect if it did physically crack, it's it's probably a fiberglass tub that was not properly supported because what you're supposed to do when you put them in is to put like a loose mortar mix underneath the tub and then press the tub down into that, which gives it complete um, and total support across the whole floor. Sometimes if contractors skip that step, it ends up being a little flexible, and over the years, just getting in and out of the tub, it eventually uh, wears and cracks. Well, actually, I, I took a fall. Oh, you did? And that's how it happened? Yeah, that's how it, that's how it happened, um, and I'm okay. But uh, the the crack was there, and it's on the upper slope of the tub, so it's not at the bottom. And I have I have not had any leakage problem. Well, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I'd say your options are you know your options are a tear out and replace or to, or to do an insert. But in terms of patching it. I couldn't really tell you anything that's going to uh, be very attractive other than the fiberglass trick. Okay. All right, Bill? All right. I appreciate that. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, you're looking for a way to get a few things done and save a little money at the same time. Here is a quick tip to do just that. If you need a pro for a small job around your house, like, say, installing an outlet or fixing a small leak, one way to save money is to group those small projects together. Yeah, so for example, if your project is to fix a leak, think about what else you might want that plumber to do at the same time and then group those projects together. Like perhaps you've been thinking about adding a new faucet or changing out a toilet or something's leaking. All of those things together are a great reason to bring in that plumber because pros usually are going to charge a base fee for that trip. So getting those additional projects done at the same time are going to cost you less than paying for them individually because the pros usually charge a base fee for that trip. So getting those additional projects done at the same time is going to cost less money than paying for them individually. Now, another option is that we're seeing sites like HomeAdvisor.com offer fixed pricing for small projects. I like this because if you just want to replace an outlet or get somebody to mow your lawn or paint your kitchen cabinets, they make it easier than ever to find a pro at a great price to do that job and that job only with no surprises because the price is fixed up front. Check that out at HomeAdvisor.com slash go. HomeAdvisor.com slash go. Great idea. 
Priscilla in Massachusetts is on the line. And while we all love birdhouses, guess who else likes them? Squirrels. Let's help her keep them out. What can we do for you today? They've chewed away at the holes of it so that they actually have made it, uh, the holes bigger. And because of that, the birds are not going in there because the squirrel can go in there. So I've already tried PVC piping because I figured that's something I can put in there, insert it, and just in the hole and it's not too big, kind of narrow. But um, I can't find one that fits. I mean, most of the solutions for bird feeders or bird houses are, are really in two categories. One, they make it rather unpleasant for the squirrel to be able to get up that high with things like cones or plastic bottles or slippery pipes or or ducks or slinkies or things like that that slide around and make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Or simply move it completely away from where squirrels can get to it. So, for example, if you were to string a wire between two trees and not have overhanging branches above, the squirrels would never be able to get to that birdhouse. Could I have, do you know of something I can insert in the hole, though? Right, but if you insert it in the hole, the squirrels are still going to hang out in that birdhouse, and they might try to chew their their, their, their way in via another area. Right. So that's why I'm saying that I, I would not focus on reinforcing the birdhouse as much as I would focus on moving it to an area that's less, less likely to be attacked by squirrels. Priscilla, thanks so much for calling us at 188 Money Pit. Mike in Michigan's on the line and is dealing with a ceiling leak. What's going on? We're sitting at the table in the kitchen, and all of a sudden we see water dripping in my dog's dog dish, water dish, and trying to figure out, look up at the ceiling, and it's coming from the ceiling. Well, oh no! We traced it to the, yeah, we traced it to the roof, and there was some nail pops, and the uh, stack vents were leaking around the flashing. Okay. So we got that we got that taken care of, but now this house was built in '41. We got all this wet plaster with the wet, uh, laughs and wire mesh, and we got all some of this uh, wet plaster starting to break loose. Uh, a lot of it is uh, onion peeling, but some of it is the plaster itself. How do I save that without ripping all that off and replastering the ceiling? So is the ceiling deformed, or is it still flat? It's flat, but with the cracks, the way the, the water has seeped through, because it must have been going on for a while, before it finally broke through. Well, your dog was happy. Oh, yeah. He was getting extra water with a little bit of uh, (laughs) plaster. (laughs) All right. Well, what happens with wood lath, and to to the same extent with wire mesh, but perhaps it's not as much of an issue, is when the plaster is applied, it squeezes through the wood lath and forms like a bit of a handle on the back that sticks to the back of the stick. Now, when that gets wet... Those little pieces that are securing that plaster in place loosen up, and the plaster can separate from the lath, and that's how you get chunks of plaster that fall. So it's really going to depend on how loose this plaster is. If we're just talking about cracks, I'm not as concerned. You can spackle those cracks using standard spackle on top of a mesh spackling tape, a mesh uh, drywall tape. You don't want to use the paper because it's just too hard to work with. But if you use the mesh, you ought to put the mesh on first and then spackle right over the top of that. If the plaster is loose and like falling down as if it's going to become dangerous, then you've got a bigger problem. Your options at that stage are to tear out that loose plaster and try to replaster it or the easier way to do this when you have deteriorated plaster walls is to simply put a second layer of drywall on top of that. Use drywall screws and screw it right through the old plaster into the ceiling joist above. 
So it really comes down to how deteriorated that ceiling is. If the plaster is loose and in danger of falling, then you have to tear it out or you have to cover it over with drywall. If it's still relatively secure, I mean, if you can push up on it and it doesn't seem to have a lot of give, then I might just spackle it and call it a day. Some of it is a little spongy, but I was wondering about actually using the good old um, plaster that you mix up from the old days where I think Gold Bond makes one or something where you can actually replaster it with wet plaster. And that's what I was thinking about doing if I had to. You can do that, but here's the thing. if you Even if you plaster over that crack, that crack's going to reform because now that's it, it's, it showed itself, and as the ceiling expands and contracts, it'll open and close unless you use drywall tape across it. Okay, You have to reinforce it. Because I'm wondering if I'm going to have to take a hammer and tap on it, and if it starts falling down, I'm probably going to have to rip it out like you're talking about. And I'd rather do it with wet plaster and keep it original than adding drywall to it. Yeah, I hear you. It's just a lot of work. Yeah, well, I thought maybe you had some magic tricks there listening to your show. Some miracle cure? Yeah, yeah. you know, a little uh, (laughs) success in a can there. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, all I can say is that there's probably probably, uh, better ways to keep that dog's bowl filled with water. Than, uh, than a roof leak. <laughs> All right. Thank you, too. You, you have a blessed week. I'm really glad that you called back. All right, Mike. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Well, if you've ever installed ceramic tile, you know that one of the hassles is dealing with the adhesive that you need. It's messy to handle. You got to wait a day for it to dry before you can apply the grout. Well, now there's a much simpler way to install tile, and it can be accomplished without glue, and it's going to let you grout immediately. That's right. It's called Simple Mat, and it's made by Custom Building Products. With us to talk about Simple Mat and more is Matt Flowers. How nice that they named the product after you, Matt. <laughs> hey, it's great to be included. <laughs> All right. So, you know, when you do a tile job, and you, the first step, of course, is to take the adhesive and trowel it on, let's say, a backsplash or a countertop surface. It's kind of a messy job, and you invariably get it all over the place, and then when you apply the tile, you got to sort of move them around, and then you got to wait a day at least before you can grout it. So it's somewhat anticlimactic. You don't get to finish the project at the same time. Now, this concept of Simple Mat is completely different. It sort of enables you to have a two-sided adhesive sheet that you put on the wall, and then you attach the tiles to that. Tell us about it. Well, the Simple Mat is a double-sided adhesive mat specifically designed to install a tile or a glass mosaic or um, small stone mosaics to either backsplashes or to countertops. Uh, the product cuts easily with scissors, and it can be applied to a variety of surfaces, such as formica, even a painted surface, or a wallpaper surface, for example. Now, if you wanted to put a backsplash on a wall and say it's drywall right now, would you adhere the Simple Mat right to the drywall and then attach the tiles to that? Absolutely. The simple mat will adhere itself to a wallpapered surface, a painted surface, 
or even a surface that already has tile on it. That's great. So basically, you, you cut it to fit, then you peel off the adhesive side that's going to go on the wall or the old backsplash or whatever you're attaching to. And then once you get that all up there uh, and ready to go, then you peel off the other side to expose the, he- the adhesive and then just start sticking your tiles right to it? Absolutely. Once you, you remove the protective cover from the front of the ridges, you're ready to start installing tile. So you can do a little bit each day, or you can do an entire backsplash as a, an entire project in one day. Man, that is so much easier. Is there any wiggle room in case I put the wrong tile or I don't put something straight or once I'm there, it's there? So absolutely. Well, once you put a tile in place, we recommend that you apply just a little bit of gentle pressure, step back, take a look at the placement of your tile. If you're happy and comfortable with where that is, go ahead and take a grout float, press that tile into place, and what happens then is that pressure will break down those adhesive ridges, and then the tile is really stuck in place. That's awesome. Now, from there, we can go right ahead with the grout, which typically, as we said the intro, you have to wait for. Correct. Yes, a lot of people, will, um, they don't like waiting around for the uh, adhesives, either mastics or thin right. mortars to dry. But uh, with the application of Simple Mat, um, as soon as that tile is locked in place, you are ready to begin the grouting process. And you know what, Matt? I think there's really an art to installing a tile adhesive that if you don't get it right, it's really complicated and can cause a ton of problems. So to have something like Simple Mat that will really allow every DIYer to successfully have a tile project is fantastic. Absolutely. It's very simple to use, and it's a great DIY project. It cuts very easily with scissors and allow even the most beginner of a tiling person to to really dress up that backsplash or that countertop with uh, with a nice mosaic or a nice tile. We're talking to Matt Flowers from Custom Building Products about some really cool tile products that these guys make. Now, Matt, I know that you guys are very well known for your grouts, and you have a simple grout product as well that is pre-mixed. That definitely saves a lot of time and a lot of trouble of getting that mixed just right when it comes to grout, because typically it comes as a powder and you've got to mix it up on site, right? Yes. Uh, typically, grouts are a cementious-based product. Um, and you have to mix them with water to the correct consistency before applying the grout to the uh, tile and the tiled surface. So with a simple grout, it's as easy as taking the lid off the container and you're ready to go. You know, we get so many questions about grout just looking dingy and not really, you know, holding up over time. So what really is the best way to clean grout? Well, custom building products make specific cleaners for uh, stone and tile and for grout. So with our Tile Lab Grout and Tile Cleaner, it's a premixed product. It's ready to use, and it's gentle enough for everyday cleaning. It's as simple as uh, spraying it on and then wiping it off with a clean cloth. And the key, the key thing is that the product is non-acidic, which means it's not going to harm your tile, and it's not going to break down the grout over time either. Does it matter if it's uh, sanded grout or non-sanded grout? Does it work equally well in both scenarios? Uh, absolutely does not matter. Um, it can be our premix grout, like our simple grout. It can be sanded. It can be non-sanded. It is safe for use on all uh, grouts that we manufacture. Fantastic. Matt Flowers from Custom Building Products. To check out the entire line, go to their website, which is at custombuildingproducts.com. That's custombuildingproducts.com. Well, between the air conditioners driving up those electric bills in the summer and all of the costly heating bills to come in the fall, now is a very good time to think about replacement windows. And if that's a project you'd like to tackle, we've got a few tips to help you make sure it goes smoothly. 
Well, first of all, it's important to understand the difference between a replacement window and a new construction window. Now, replacement windows are just that. They're custom-sized and designed to replace an old window, but they fit in the exact same opening. Unlike those new construction windows, there's no need to remove any siding. Now, when you're shopping and comparing windows, you want to make sure to pay attention to the rating information on the glass. Similar to those Energy Star stickers you find on appliances, these labels are created by the National Fenestration Rating Council and allow you to compare and contrast several of the window's energy-saving qualities and provide a great way to help you understand what you're getting for your money. Now, next, once you determine what windows you want to buy and what pro you'll hire for the project, it's important to let the pro measure for the new windows. Some folks like doing this themselves, but that can be a very big mistake. All replacement window manufacturer specs are not the same. They can vary, and if the pro measures for the window and it doesn't fit, it's going to be their responsibility to fix the problem. If you measure it and it doesn't fit, you just bought an extra window, and maybe you got to cut a bigger hole in your house or close down the one that you have to make it work. Now, once your installation date arrives, be sure to remove window treatments and clear the window installation area as much as you can. That process actually goes quite quickly and helps make sure that your home is ready when those pros arrive. I mean, it's really the best way that you can assure a smooth install. Helps them get in and get out as quickly as possible. Now, lastly, make a rain plan. Find out what your installer's weather policy is. Decide an acceptable kind of weather condition for your project. You know, since replacement windows can be replaced like one at a time or two at a time, you don't have to worry about your entire home being left open like a big block of Swiss cheese. Just want to work together and communicate with your pros so you can make sure that there are no surprises. All right, now we've got Catherine in Arizona on the line who's dealing with an issue with sod. And Arizona's pretty darn hot, so tell us what's going on. I live actually in the mountains in Arizona, and so our issue is not the heat but the cold. And so what we've had happen is that we laid sod about eight years ago, and unbeknownst to us novice homeowners, it had mesh netting on the backside of the roll. And I don't know if we were supposed to remove that or something, but... Now, the sod did not take to our climate, and it uh, has died, and we would like to reseed or lay down some new sod or something like that. But in order to prepare the soil and till it and all of that, I just don't know what to do because there's this mesh netting all over the ground, and in some areas it's exposed, in some areas it isn't. But I just wondered what your advice would be. So the sod never really bit, so to speak, it never really grew through the mesh netting and, and connected with the soil below? Not not really. I mean, it did in some areas, but it just did not grow well for our climate. It couldn't handle the winters. It just wouldn't recover. Well, I mean, the first thing you want to do is a soil test. You can, you know, sometimes your county extension services and, and services like that will, will do the test for you or have a landscaper do the test. But you need to know what's in that soil and how to adjust the pH to get it just right to reseed. Yeah, to fertilize correctly and... Right. You know, otherwise you might not be giving it the stuff that it needs and it won't grow. Yeah, you're working blind. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that the best time to do this is not the beginning of summer. The best time to do this is in the fall when it's a little cooler out because even if you did everything right and it started to grow, the intense heat that follows a month or two down the line will burn it out. 
and kind of ruin all the good work that you did. So I would spend the summer getting the information that you need to kind of come up with a plan. Now, in terms of whether or not you remove the old sod or not, if it's really loose and disconnected and not really knitting and sort of sitting on top, then in that case, I would take it out and then prep the soil below. If it has connected, then I would leave it. Now, if you have sod, is it weedy? Is it also weedy, Catherine? There are lots of weeds. So it's not so much the sod that's the issue, but it's the plastic mesh netting that was on the backside of the sod roll that's there. And I just don't know, can we till with that there, or is that going to get all caught up in the tiller? I, I think you probably can. I mean, in my experience, those types of backers are designed to stay there and, and not be removed, and they just, they just sort of deteriorate naturally away. Hmm, okay. So I, I don't suspect that that would be an issue, because otherwise, how would you ever lay it down? Right, right. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I didn't know what was supposed to be common, just that it hasn't degraded at all um, yeah. after eight years. It's still totally there. Well, here's an idea. One of the things that you could do is you could um, rent um, a seating machine that, that slices the lawn. There are machines out there that will actually slice it and, you, and drop the seeds sort of into the slits, Mm-hmm. And that will cut through it. But really, before you do any of that, the first thing to do is do a soil test and see what's going on there. Yeah, this way you know how to feed it, how to take care of it, when it's going to want to be seeded. I mean, that will really answer a lot of questions for you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if the sod, if you end up deciding to leave the sod in place and if it gets really weedy, one thing you could do is something called a Roundup restoration. You can spray Roundup right on the sod and kill the sod and actually leave it in place and then put the seed right up into the dead grass. It will hold it really well, and it will re-sprout, and the Roundup will not prevent the new seed from taking root. Huh, okay, okay. That's called a Roundup restoration. Hmm, all right, that makes sense. All right, Catherine, good luck with that project. Let's hope there's some more green in your future. <laughs> yes, I hope so. Thank you. 888-666-3974. You can always post your question, just like Jenna from Oregon did. Now, Jenna writes... After an especially bad rainstorm, water started leaking into the ceiling and walls around my chimney. I called a contractor out who suggested sealing the chimney area with silicone. My roof is in good shape and only about five years old. Does this seem right? Well, it depends on what he means by silicone, because there are two types of silicone that are used in that application. One is to seal the brick, and the other is to seal the flashing. So first off, you have to understand that most of the time leaks around a chimney happen because of cracks in the chimney crown. That's at the very top of the chimney. So that would be the first thing to check. If there's cracks in the chimney crown, those could be sealed with silicone caulk. If the water's coming in because of there are gaps around the flashing, which is where the chimney and the roof come together, for that, I don't really want to see you caulk it. I want to see you repair it because the, the, the flashing is a two-part system. One part goes under the shingles and the other part goes in the, in the brick chimney and overlaps. And if it's done right, it can sort of move and expand and contract with the roof. And believe it or not, heavy brick chimneys will actually sway a little in the wind. And this type of a flashing assembly allows that to happen without fear of water getting through. The other alternative, which he may be talking about, that is to sort of just put a 
a bunch of silicone on that flashing because that's such a great idea because it's not going to last very long. And then finally, in terms of the brick and sealing the brick surfaces, if sometimes when chimneys do sort of sweat or get wet, folks will put a brick sealer on the outside. Those also are made of silicone, but you've you got to make sure they're vapor permeable because if they hold water inside and don't let it dry out, uh, when it freezes in the winter, it'll start chipping off pieces of the brick, and that's not a good thing. All right, Jenna, I hope that helps you solve that problem, and maybe in the next rainstorm, you'll stay nice and dry. Well, if you are an active home improver, one thing that seems to collect a lot around a lot of houses, mine including, is leftover paint. In fact, I've got so many cans of paint on the shelves in my basement. When I put a new one in, I recycle out the old ones because I just got no room for them all. But I'll tell you what, Leslie has some great project ideas that can help you put that leftover paint to good use in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many little containers of random paint I have all over the place, in the garage, in the basement, in the cabinet under the sink. I feel like I'm always repainting something. And if you're like me and you have a lot of that leftover paint, With a little imagination and some creative flair, you can actually use that leftover paint to give your home extra appeal and maybe have some fun in the process, too. Now, if you're looking for the perfect accessories for your freshly painted room, why not add a little of that leftover wall color to maybe some canisters, vases, planters, or even flower pots? That's just going to help pull the room together. You can paint them in one solid color or maybe just embellish them with a simple stripe or, you know, an interesting pattern just for some added punch. Or maybe you want to tie that freshly painted room to the rest of the house. You can use that leftover paint to maybe update the baseboard trim or another door in a different room, or even to breathe new life into a worn-out dresser or a rocking chair or whatever kind of furniture you've got sitting around that just needs some new pizzazz. You can also pick up some inexpensive canvases from an art supply store and create your own artwork using your home's design palette. Chances are, if the paint is more than a year or two old, you can't really use it anyway, so why not put it to good use? This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time in the program, if you've got a simple electrical project to do, there are a couple of key tools that you'll need on your tool belt to make sure the job gets done safely. We'll share those tips and much more on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.